Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Welcome back to A Better Way podcast with Courtney and Danielle. Today we are talking about Atomic Habits by James Clear. Both of us read it. I read it uh, a while ago um, and Courtney has read it most recently and we were both both felt like there was just a lot of really good nuggets in there and wanted to chat about it and um, just share our insights. Yeah. Um, and just a funny story too, um, before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a quick summary of the book before Danielle and I share thoughts and our takeaways. But Danielle originally mentioned this book to me because her and um, her husband were reading it. Um, and so I decided to actually get it for my husband, Josh. And so I bought atomic habits. I gave it to him probably six or seven months ago. He's not a huge reader, but out of the two books I bought him, he picked this one up and he made it to chapter five, which is huge for him. He doesn't finish any book and like him reading five chapters of it and him saying, yeah, it's okay. Like I'd continue reading it is great. He then went on a hiatus. So I stole it back from him um, two weeks ago and started reading it. But I knew that like, if he could get through the first five chapters, then I would definitely appreciate the book. Um, So if anyone out there has been thinking about reading it, highly recommend and Daniel and I will get into why um, later on. But uh, just to start, quick synopsis of the book. So it is, um, I'm going to term it, it's a self-help book. Um, It falls under that category, although I feel like it's a little bit more realistic than most in the way that it's both written and also just the perspective that it brings. So James Clear, um, just a little bit of background on him um, and why I think he's actually uniquely qualified to author this book is he starts the book um, in the narrative with his own story of how small, consistent changes in his life really transformed his trajectory. So in Danielle, if I get any of these details um, wrong, feel free to jump in. But my understanding is as he wrote it in high school, he was in pretty much an all-star baseball player, had dreams of eventually playing professionally. And he was hit unexpectedly during a game or a practice um, with a bat to the face, which totally shattered like his nose, um, his eye sockets. He had huge, like major swelling in his brain. And he was really lucky that he even lived. Um, sure enough, um, he came out of that and did live, um, but had a really long road to recovery ahead of him. And it was months, maybe even a full year before he was really walking and able to physically function again. Sure enough, he was in his senior year of high school. Um, he was like degraded to the junior, the JV team for baseball instead of being the captain that he expected to be and spent the next year really working his way back to get into a point where he could actually play on the field and have field time in baseball. He then went on to college and slowly worked to improve his grades and, um, try out for the baseball team. And he made it to the point where by the end of college, he was like an all-star academic in an all-star baseball player. He didn't 
go on to play professionally, but he had a pretty standout collegiate career. And he attributes it to like the little changes he made every day to get him to a point where he was making progress and better than the version he was the day before. So um, definitely an interesting personal story. He's since used it in his career, um, even to the point of writing the book. So he didn't consider himself an author before, but he took daily steps and habits to kind of put this story in place. And that's kind of the how Atomic Habits took shape. So that's a little bit about James. In terms of his theory or methodology, he really believes that um, it's the tiny habits that you do every day that shape the trajectory of your life in the long term. And that habits are both positive and negative. Habits are great if they are helping you work towards your goals, because each time you make a good choice or you reinforce a good habit and continue it, it's helping you grow one step closer to that end goal or that outcome that you're seeking, or more appropriately, as he puts it, the person you want to become. Um, alternatively, habits are also bad because if, a, if it's a bad habit, it moves you one step further away from where you want to go every time you repeat that bad habit. And so in the book, he uses his structure. He calls it like four laws of behavior change to help you create positive habits that are supporting the life you want and the person you want to be. And his four rules are one, make it obvious, which is all about the fact that every habit is initiated by a cue and that we're more likely to notice cues that stand out. And so I see Danielle nodding her head. And so he talks about how to make the cues of the good habits more obvious in your life and in your environment. Um, and one thing I just want to there for a second. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, do you want to say, I was going to interject my own personal comment, but you go ahead first. Yeah. So this part, I was nodding my head because I was thinking about like, as a mom, the cue of like having a hard day with your kids, like when your kids wake up and they are in rare form and they literally drive you nuts all day. Like you are counting the minutes to bedtime. And that is literally my cue for drinking a glass of wine, right? Like when I have a hard day like that, I'm thinking, okay, like I, if I, I like, I'm going to have a glass of wine as soon as they go to bed, because it's going to make me feel better. But what I realized, and, and that very much happened a lot during the pandemic, because I was trying to work. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even the kid's fault. It was just like, I was trying to work. I have a one and a half year old. It's not a good environment. And then every day I'd get to the end of the day and I'd be like, thank gosh, I can have a glass of wine because like, and that was my cue. And I had to change that because I was having a glass of wine every night and that was like not working, right? Like for my own health, for my productivity during the regular day, the patience I had with my kids after, you know, drinking the night before. And that when I read that part and I read this like back closer to when that was happening, I was like, oh, I need a new cue. And now my cue is tea. So I make chamomile tea after they go to bed. And of course, like on a Friday or a Saturday, whatever, like I still have wine, but it's not, I switched that cue for the weekdays at least. Mm -hmm. I love it. So I've had similar experiences. Um, it's interesting. I was working with a coach and we were talking about like self-sabotage and she is the first person to introduce this, um, idea of a habit loop 
to me, which is what James talks about. And I think his is a little bit more involved, but the, the habit loop, as my coach had explained it to me, is like, there's the cue, which is like the trigger, right? The instigator, whether it's like your kids being difficult or um, just feeling like you had a busy day and you didn't have any time to yourself. And then you have the habit, which is what you do. And it's because you're seeking some type of reward. So the instance in which I was talking about with the coach is how I get to the end of the day and I have like maybe an hour to myself before bed. And it ends up becoming two or three hours because I'm dreading having to wake up and do like everything all over again, or because I just haven't had any time to think to myself all day. We all know that feeling like you are like, I'm going to go to bed early. And then you spend an hour scrolling on social media or like the news or checking email at night. And she was like, think about it. You're, you're triggered by something. So that cue, what is it? There's stress. There's anxiety. There's like lack of time and space to just like think and be yourself. And so you have a habit and the habit you think is going to reward you with some type of feeling, but she encouraged me to get curious. And I love the idea of getting curious because once I did, I realized that my habit was I'm just going to go check my email because I think that there's more I could get done or I can do something good for myself by like checking social media, thinking that the reward after is I'd feel more fulfilled or I'd feel more, um, less anxious, or I'd feel, um, more connected to people, whatever it may be, whatever I was seeking from it. But every time I would actually do that habit, instead of getting the reward, I actually just felt worse. I felt worse because I didn't go to bed. I felt worse because I ended up having more negative thoughts after scrolling social media. Um, and so it's got, it's caused me when, you know, at the start of this like behavior change process that James clear talks about, it's important to me to get curious when I want to make a habit change and I'm not making it. Why is that? And think about, are my habits aligning with the feelings I'm actually getting out of it? It's like, is having that chocolate cake really making me feel good after I have the chocolate cake? Or is it actually making me feel worse? Because then I'm going to remember the negative feelings it gave me the next time I go to do it. So just a little aside with that habit loop, because I think when you break, if you notice you want to create a positive habit and you haven't yet, bringing it back to this loop and thinking about what's triggering you what are you doing when you're triggered? And then is it actually making you feel better? Helps put it in more black and white thinking and takes it the emotion out of it that I feel like I often run on. Yeah. But then what, like, isn't the underlying problem, the fact that you dread the next day, like, how do you solve for that? Because hundred percent, like you can, it, you can try, like you can use your, your will to like, understand that you're not getting the result you want and to stop doing it. But like, isn't, isn't the original point, like, or isn't the root, don't you have to address the root at some point? Well, right. So then those are the next three steps in this process, right? So if you make it obvious, if you get more clear on, so part of the make it obvious is creating cues, right? So if we know that there's a cue that's happening, we can then dissect the fact that our bad habits aren't helping us and then we can create better habits. So in order to create better habits, we then need to get clear on, well, what is our goal? And it's interesting because in the book, he said something about, I wrote it down, actually. It's something about many- By the way, I love that you, like you- (laughs) You know, I was I have an like, outline. Get obvious. No, we, yes, you have an outline, but I expect that. Um, you're like, get obvious. And I'm like, stop there. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, but what about the next part? <laughs> <laughs> so he says, he says in the book, many people think they lack motivation when they really lack what, what they, 
when what they really lack is clarity. So let me say that one more time. Many people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. And I think that's really true, really true. And so you get clear on what is that habit loop, that cue, that habit, and that reward. Are you getting what you want out of your current habits? If not, it's time to get clear on what you want out of it. And he talks, Daniel and I were chatting a little bit before we hit record is he talks about the idea of like focusing on who you want to become instead of the outcome you want to see. And so getting clear on who you want to become, you then can identify when you get a cue in your environment, align it to the positive habit you want. And he talks about three things, making it attractive. So he talks about the fact that like, we're less likely. So we're more likely to do things when we're rewarded positively right away. We're less likely to do things when we're, when we're punished immediately. And so he talks about this like idea of temptation stacking, which is all about taking a habit that you want to do, but that may be hard for you and combining it with something that brings pleasure or gives you some type of immediate reward. Um, and so it's basically, you know, making it more appealing and more tempting for you to follow through with that habit. He also talks about making it easy. That's the next principle. So creating an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible. And he has this idea, which I can totally get behind is that when you create a new habit, it shouldn't take more than two minutes to do. And I think so often when we're talking about habits, um, we think that we need to like throw everything, like everything out the window and start fresh and that everything we do needs to be aligned with this new habit. And I think that starting small and picking something that is very easy to do at some point in your day, even as busy moms who are working full-time, you can find two minutes to do it is really key. And then last, he talks about making it satisfying. So making sure that um, you're acknowledging your successes right away. Um, And the fact that, um, let me just see my notes here. He said one thing. Checking her notes, folks. I know. He, he said something interesting, and I don't know if I can reference it here, um, but he talks about the idea of needing to feel immediately successful. And I think it also goes back to that two-minute habit. If you create a habit that is obvious, it is easy, it is quick to implement, and you're going to feel successful because you can go back. And he talks about a habit tracker, which is very interesting because the same coach who talked to me about the habit cycle and loop worked with me to develop, um, kind of a habit tracker where you score yourself every day. And it is really gratifying to get to the end of the week where you're like, Oh, I got a 10 out of 10, as opposed to, I got a five out of 10. Cause I was able oh. to do two minutes of something easy every week. And the thought is you do that for two or three weeks and it becomes a habit and you don't have to think about it. And then you can then right. stack the next habit on it. So, okay. That two minute thing, I did it successfully for 30 days. It's become a ritual for me. I don't think about it. It's automatic. What's the next habit that's going to help me reach towards my goals. Let me stack it on top. And that's my new two minute thing that I focus on every day. And what seems like in a matter of, let's say 90 days, it seems minuscule. If you go a year out or two years out, you're going to actually see a huge difference in a compounding effect of those habits. So that's really the methodology. What I'm going to say that James walks us through as a whole, um, Danielle, did I leave out anything really pertinent for our listeners before we jump into what we think about it? No, I think you, I think you, um, like gave a good synopsis of what, what is in the book. And then, yeah, I mean, I, when we were talking before we hopped on, 
the thing I thought was most impactful was the piece about, he has a quote and I'm not quoting it exactly, but it's something like, it's better to be average consistently than it is to be great uh, sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that speaks to like the two minute piece, right? Because I don't know, I had so many thoughts swirling when you were talking and I think like, this one isn't super relevant for me, but it's, it's something that really irritates me um, is like the weight loss industry, right? Because there's a lot of people who are unhappy with the way that they look, their energy levels, like their physical fitness and um, the way they eat, right? Like they eat poorly and then they feel like crap. And they, first of all, they're like really rooted in that identity, right? Like they're like, I've tried everything, nothing works. And I think, and the, I think the weight loss industry preys on this, but I think they feel like the identity of somebody who's fit and healthy and um, looks good is something like completely unattainable and just like not part of what they can achieve. Like it's just like unachievable for them. So like might as well just accept where I'm at and, and you know, whatever. And the weight loss industry basically says like, Hey, we'll give you a quick fix. Like you'll get, like, you will get a reward right away. And like, unfortunately, like if you're looking at the picture in a bit, if you're looking at it from it, like a macro perspective, it does feel unattainable and it is unattainable. If you were to change everything all at once and be a completely different person, that's not going to work. And so, and that's what the, the health, the weight loss industry pushes. It's like change everything, do this like ridiculous diet that you'll never be consistent with and exercise, you know, seven days a week, whatever. And really like what is attainable and what people, you know, can do is break it up, right? Like I want to be the type of person that walks outside and gets fresh air for 15 minutes every day. Right. And I mean, of course that's longer than two minutes, but you get the point. Like Mm -hmm. how do we break up the identity that we're trying to get to like the goal, like you said, like, how do we identify the goal and break it into tiny, tiny pieces? Like, okay. I'm like, I love chocolate. I love peanut butter cups. It's like my, my kryptonite. And I eat one every single day, but like, I just eat one and I eat it after lunch. I eat my lunch and I have my peanut butter cup. And it is like, I don't want peanut butter cups any other time. I don't feel like I'm an unhealthy person. And that's because like, I'm not, I have a have a small habit that like, isn't a big deal. Right. And I don't know. I'm like sort of, um, running on at this point, but I think you get Yeah, no, you bring up a really good point that we didn't actually really cover in the synopsis that I think is really important. So in the book, James Clear focuses a lot on um, systems and he talks about Mm -hmm. how don't worry about the outcome, focus on the systems. And I think this is really um, interesting in a few different ways. Um, So I can totally relate to Danielle. So I'm thinking of the fact like I, let's say four years ago, I didn't cook. Like when my first son was born, like my husband would come home from work and he would cook dinner. Like I could cook if I absolutely needed to, but it was not like habit. 
And now today I'm the primary cook in our house. And part of it was because I went through my own health issues and ended up changing how I was eating. And we ended up, we cooked a lot of meals at home before, but we cook basically every meal at home now. And I look back and I'm like, wow, I transformed without even realizing I transformed. In fact, my whole family unit transformed. And part of it was because of the systems I put in place because I started to make some food swaps. And then I started, you know, a few months later, figuring out how to cook for myself because my husband wanted to cook a little differently. And then I started doing the shopping um, and I put systems in place every week, like, okay, I'm going to do a shopping list every week and then I'm going to meal plan. And then, you know what, I'm going to take over some of the cooking so that I can make sure that we're using some of the ingredients and the oils that I like. And I know that this sounds very basic, but this transformation has been so huge and it's become such a huge part of who we are as a family. Like my mom will come over and we'll be cooking dinner and she's like, you know, not everybody does this every night. Like you guys cook all your meals at home. That's not a typical thing. That's something you've a muscle you've built over time, but it's because of the systems we put in place. And I was committed to it. So I'd carve out a little bit of time every day. And then it became a lot of time every day. And I think, um, you know, when I chat, think about my health journey too, I was chatting with, um, a nutritionist and we were talking about when I'm finally healed. And she brought up the fact that like healed versus healing, like there's never an absolute in any of this. And so if, if instead we focus on your systems and what can we do today in terms of your supplements or in terms of your food or in terms of your sleep habits to help you feel better tomorrow, that's going to compound over time. And so what systems can I set up in terms of, that one or two things that I can control today that are setting me up for success as opposed to, to your point, relying on willpower. So focusing on designing your day, and it doesn't mean redesigning your day and making those big changes, but to Danielle's point, she's created a system that works for her, that avoids that temptation and that allows her the indulgence of the peanut butter cup after lunch every day. But then it's removing the larger temptation from other, you know, friction points in her day or in her life. And so I think systems are really important. So I'm thinking about how that impacts me from like a business perspective. And I had some time off the last few weeks and I wanted to do a ton of business planning. And it's so easy to get caught up on like growing fast and building a team and making more money. And that I like start out and then a few days and I just get overwhelmed and it blows up. So today I'm thinking, okay, if I were to listen to James and take his advice, what's one thing I could do today? You know what? One thing I can do today is to tell my clients, no, I can't get to that today because I have five other things for you and only four things can get done today. Um, then it, tomorrow it's going to be a little bit easier to flex that muscle and put more boundaries around so that I have the time and I have the space that yes, I'm servicing my clients, but I'm also having that time and space to um, reinvest in my business. And so one of the things I've talked a lot about on the podcast is creating boundaries. And so one thing I can do today is say no, or protect my time around something. And then tomorrow I can do that again. And then the next day I can do that again. And then over time, that's going to create a ripple effect and compound to the point where it's become second nature. I've trained my clients how to treat me. And I do have that time and space I need to, to either delegate to other team members or reinvest. And so that's just one thing I'm taking away is like, I don't need to have it all figured out. And in fact, if I tried to make that big change right now, like you were saying, the weight loss industry tells you to do, if I tried to do that that with all my clients right now, they'd probably be pissed. But if I take little, little actions right now over time, it's going to be much smoother for me and for them. And it'll be much more sustainable too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, what, what I, um, pulled out of what you just said that I think is really transferable to any 
like either like life situation or business or like corporate world is like whenever you're stressed about something, right? You're like really worried and stressed about something that's happening. You ask yourself like, okay, what's one thing I can control that will move me closer to like being less stressed about this? And like, what can I, what, how can I do that today? Right? Like, mm-hmm. how do I focus on that? And I think that just grounds you too into like the the current moment versus thinking about the past or the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's so hard to swallow the fact that like, you're not going to see results right away. Like I very much get caught up in the fact, like if I just control everything and if I just change everything, it'll be an overnight success, but really everything takes every good thing takes time. And I know that sounds so cliche, Mm -hmm. but every single, like, I love it in the book. He references like your clutter, your clutter wasn't one event. It was like a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. And I don't know about anybody else, but we have a large bathroom and I tend to like throw clothes in there. And then it's not to like the week that like at the end of the week, I need to do laundry. And every week I'm like, I'm not going to let my clothes pile up on the floor here. And every week they pile up. So I think that one of my new habits, it's going to take less than two minutes is tonight. When I get changed into pajamas, I'm going to put my clothes away and my shoes away. And then I'm going to check in with you in a week and tell you if my bathroom has stayed clean all week or not. Danielle, it's like you making the bed. It's (laughs) like me making the bed, except so Kyle's traveling right now. And I'm like, definitely have not made the bed the last two days. And I am loving it. I feel like such a rebel. I do the same thing though. I throw, so I'm even worse. I throw my clothes into the closet, like on the floor. Like I just like kick them in there, but like the baskets are right there. I'm basically putting the clothes right in front of the baskets. And it's so funny to me that like, just these weird things. Cause like, I'm, I'm really anal about the dishes being in either the the dishwasher or like washed right away. Like I hate when dishes are in the sink and I get like so annoyed by it, but then I'm like such a hypocrite because I'm putting my clothes literally in front of the basket <laughs> instead of throwing them in there. And, and Kyle gets so annoyed. Oh, I love it. I can totally really, it's like by the end of the day, it's just like, it's the easiest thing I could do, but right. it seems the hardest. And, oh, this is another thing that I've actually talked about with the coach I had mentioned. And that I feel like aligns really nicely with this book is the idea of like, you think you're rewarding yourself. So I went through a, a phase in my like healing protocol. It's actually still a phase I'm in and I've cheated a few times, but I'm not supposed to have coffee because coffee is like high in mold. And, um, I'm trying to avoid mold right now due to like some possible mold exposure. But anyways, long story short, I don't drink coffee every day, but I really like to get Starbucks as a treat. And so there happened to be like two or three weeks where it was like, I was getting together with people and then I was driving up to Maine and then it was a weekend and it was like, well, I've had a hard week. I'm going to treat myself. So I order like a latte from Starbucks or a coffee. And we were talking about how to break this habit. And I was like, but you know, I feel like I'm so good in all other areas of my life. So like, I deserve to do this in the same way. Like sometimes if it's, I'm really good about flossing and brushing my teeth at in the morning and at night, but sometimes at night I'll be like, you know what? It's been so hard. I just deserve not to brush my teeth. And then when you actually hear yourself say that out loud, you deserve not to, you're like, so you deserve to let your teeth rot with like dirty food overnight. When you actually like reframe it, you're like, oh, 
that's not a good decision. And so I think sometimes my bad habits, I think I'm doing something good for myself, but if I were actually to reframe it, I'd be like, Oh, that's like, I would never let my kids do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, which also brings up a good point. I actually think some of the lessons in this book are really good for teaching kids habits. Like for Declan, we try to have him put his clothes in his hamper after we get him changed. And, Mm -hmm. um, we try to have him bring his water down every night after, I mean, he's four years old. So it's like little things we're trying to get him to clean up more, but I think that these are really good reminders for building good habits in kids too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think though the part I find annoying right is and totally I'm I'm this way with working out like the past five months I've been so good I've been doing this like program that I bought it's just a pdf that I get every month and it gives you like the workouts to do it's got four workouts and then you're supposed to do like a steady state cardio like at some point during the week which I almost never do but (laughs) Because I have been doing like the four workouts for like, I've been doing it literally consistently for, for about five months. Like I definitely started to see results. And then I will get to a point where like, I'm like, oh, like, do I just do this for the rest of my life? Like, you know, like the days you're feeling lazy or, and, and I, so I'm, I'm thinking too, like for me, it's like maybe like a variety thing. Like I need like I might just be bored of it. I need something different right now, but I'm just like, is this, sometimes I get burnt out even once I see results because I'm like, oh, I've gotten here. Like, I don't need to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of annoying that like in life, you just have to like keep doing it forever. If you want it to be like a good part of your life, like it, I, I agree. So the whole idea too of habit stacking, like, well, at what point can you not stack any more habits? Cause you actually have to live and eat <laughs> and bathe your kids and yeah. work to make money. So it is, that is the one part of this book. And I think books like this that I do struggle with. Cause I'm like, it's great in theory. In reality, we're all just doing the best we can in life. I think it's really helpful if you have a specific goal. I think when you're facing, my thought would be when you're facing the resistance that you have there, which I can totally relate to, it's to think about like, well, what person do I want to come become instead of the outcome? Because if you switch it to like, I'm a person who moves my body or I'm a person who fuels my body, you can just find other ways to fuel your body that will keep you healthy, like physically and Mm -hmm. keep you fit. So if you focus on that, maybe, I don't know. I think everyone is slightly different in what's motivating for them, but I think that comes back to like the person you are like, and I think too, this book requires you to prioritize because you need to pick the things that are most important to you. Mm -hmm. So is it health? Is it relationships? Is it career? You know, whatever it is. I think that's the trade-off we're all making is even these, those, these books tell you or you know, gurus or whatever. I feel like there's so many different sources of information and inspiration out there. Even though they tell you how to achieve something, the reality is you still can't achieve everything. You need to pick what you want to achieve and then you need to dedicate your time. And by you making a habit for something, that's you saying no to something else. That's just at least the reality I've come resigned to. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Like at this point in my life, there's, 
you know, definitely been periods of my life where I probably could have stacked like 10 habits, <laughs> add whatever I want to my life. Cause I had so much free time and so much freedom, but obviously I'm not that in that position right now. So it's like, how do I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like pickup is either at three or four. So I'm looking at like not even eight hours, right? Like nine to three or four. And I've got to get pretty much everything I need to get done in that, in those hours, because if I don't, then like, there's just no other time. If I want to relax at the end of the night, if I want to go for a five mile run after the kids go to bed, then sure. But like, that's not really what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So this goes back to like the being average, not saying that you and I are average, but anyone is necessarily average, but I've had to, I've had to cool my jets a little bit and be like, you know what, that was good enough for today. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I only got half of what I wanted done, but I'd rather. So Josh and I've made a commitment. He's been working crazy hours too. We're like Wednesday nights during the week, Wednesday nights are a night that we're going to sit down and like watch something together or talk. Cause we'll literally be like ships passing in the night, even though we both work from home. So like tonight I'm like, I know Declan has a half day from school. We have a parent teacher conference. I'm going to get a fraction of the stuff done. I feel like I need to get done, but then I'm thinking in the big picture of things, it's more important for me to spend quality time with my family than it is to just overcompensate by working later. So again, that's a trade-off I'm making, but. Oh, hundred percent. hard. So we, it's impossible. we just made nine to 10 sacred. Like we could go to bed early. We could like hang out, watch show, like whatever we want to do, but like we have to be together versus like being together, but not being together. Meaning like we're both on our computers doing yep. work and like totally ignoring each other. Um, Cause yeah, it totally feels that way. Sometimes I feel like I don't even have a chance to talk to him. Like, like during the whole day, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause we both work from home together. I mean, same. not together, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah same yeah. here. Yeah. Josh is downstairs on calls right now too, in our other office. But um, I, that also in the book, they do talk about your environment. And I think take this with a grain of salt because he talks about like your tribe. And I feel like this is talked about a lot. And he talks about how habits are easier to make in a new environment. And when the people around you are supporting you and that oftentimes you're held back with bad habits because of your surroundings or the people you spend your time with. And I get that to some extent, definitely like I will not eat in accordance with like my dietary protocol when I'm around my family all the time. But I also know that like YOLO, like I don't see them that often. And we're usually getting together for celebrations, like whatever, I'm going to live a little too. Right. And while I do think it's really important to surround yourself with supportive people and Hey, that's why we have this podcast, right. For that exact reason, super important. I also don't think that you can totally bulldoze your life and alienate yourself and only be around people who are doing the things you want to do. I think that you need to find a balance. And I think that's where, again, it comes to like this book and other people who've written books or do, you know, podcasts or have courses is like, you need to pick and choose what's going to work for you. And you can't reinvent your life overnight. And the people who love you will support you in these tiny habits, because I also think it's more sustainable for them. Just like that one thing Josh and I decided to do by making Wednesday nights or together night, you're doing an hour each night with you and Kyle, like they'll support you, especially if it's in small doses and Hey, you might even inspire them to do their own thing. Right. And we don't do it ever. It doesn't always work. There's Mm -hmm. some nights where like he has urgent things he needs to attend to same with me because 
like, unfortunately we have a nine-year-old too, uh, not unfortunately, but like half the time we have a nine-year-old and he doesn't go to bed till like 8.45. So, you know, it's not, whereas when we just have our three-year-old, it's like just so much easier because he goes to bed seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so much easier for us to shut down at 9 PM, but yeah, you know, you figure it out, you figure it out, you figure out what's most important. I think that that's, I think like after hearing us talk about it, like from an out from like my perspective, the biggest thing that we figured out here and like my biggest advice would be like, what can you do right now that moves you towards your goal? So mm-hmm. even if you're not perfect every day, if you figure out the habits and you, you know, it's not working or it's, or you're getting stressed about it, like just ask yourself that question because again, like, I think that grounds you in the present versus like being worried about something that's going to happen or not happen or the past. I agree. And the only thing I would add on that is just because you're not seeing results right now, doesn't mean it's not working And two thoughts to support that are just be proud and feel success in that two minute change, one minute change, how, whatever that habit is that day, like consider that a success. That is your win. And then also like take time to reflect like six months from now, a year from now and be like, Oh wait, Holy crap. That actually did make an impact. It's like in those long runways that you're actually going to see the like progress that you make. So know that if you're not seeing results now, it doesn't mean it's not working. Stay committed, trust yourself, and then look back a year from now, two years from now, and then realize, Holy moly, you're like totally on a new habit. Cause you have this one mastered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you want to look back and say, like, I did my best, Yeah. even if, you know, so leave it all on the table. I, I think that's like such a corporate, it's like, or sports, I don't know, but like leave it all or like, leave it all on the field. Is that like what they say yeah. in sports? I don't know. I'm not a sports person, but I, tr- I think that makes a lot of sense in life. Like as long as you can look back and say, I did my best. What else is there? Exactly. Is there a better note to end on? No. So on on that note, everyone go out and just do your best. (laughs) (laughs) We love you and we're rooting for you. Exactly. (laughs) True. True. And if you liked this episode, please, uh, please write a review. That's the way we get found and help other women like us, um, be supported. Yes. And on the note of doing your best, we want to do our best for you. And so if there are topics of interest or anything in particular, you'd love us to cover or someone to feature, please don't hesitate to reach out. We love hearing from you, our community. Um, and we're excited to be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends. Mom friends.